You're listening to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast, your podcast for escaping life's monotony, indulging in your wildest travel fantasies, and discovering the constant beauty of this ever-changing world. On today's episode, Tony Fletcher, host of One Step Beyond podcast, takes us on a whirlwind journey across the entire world, from curry pizza to climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and more. Welcome to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. We are your navigators, Allison. And Regan. And welcome to another Travel Tuesday, listeners. Thanks for traveling along with us. Uh, we're really excited. We have another great guest here today, a fellow podcaster. So we're super excited to have him. But of course, before we intro him, we're going to do a quick little plug, as always, for our website, www.wanderlustingwives.com. That'll get you to easy links to all of our episodes, more information about us. And if you want to be a guest on Travel Tuesday, we would love to have you. We've, we are firm believers here on the Wander Listening Wives podcast that it doesn't matter how far you've traveled. It could just be in your backyard or it could be across the entire world. Uh, travel is uh, a lot of stories come from travel. And I think we've found that over the course of this year. So if you have stories to share, we would love to hear from you. And Allie, how can people get in touch with us if they want to reach out? Yeah, social media is a great place to find us. Um, we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we're there. Um, so Instagram is at Wonderlusting Wives. Facebook is Wonderlusting Wives Podcast. Twitter is at Wonderlust Wives. And we also have an email. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, give us some feedback, um, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is wonderlustingwives at gmail.com. And of course, we'd appreciate you giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. So without further ado, um, we have Tony Fletcher here today from the One Step Beyond podcast, and we are so excited um, to hear his travel stories and all of his experiences. So welcome, Tony. Hey, welcome, Ali, Regan, lovely, Regan, lovely to be here. Glad to have you. So do you want to share any um, places where we can find your podcast or any social media for our listeners? Yeah, so my show is called One Step Beyond. It's not purely a travel podcast. Um, it covers a lot of different ground. The byline it, or the tag is positively engaging with the world outside our door. And so that encompasses uh, everything from sort of running and hiking and to um, people who are trying to run, set up an intentional community in Colombia. I've had uh, somebody that were I, I'd met in a, they didn't want to call it an orphanage, but a home in Nepal who had managed to come over to the States to study to be a nurse. And so I kind of did an interview with her at one point. Uh, and I, I think uh, a lot of it is about the planet, about this beautiful planet that we have. And, and, you know, there's whatever, 7 billion plus of us here and we're all just passing through, but we, we need to try and make it a better place and we need it to survive. And uh, any tiny little thing any of us can do, anything that you can do with your podcast to just help us all experience this world better and enjoy it better and leave it better is a good thing for us all to be doing. Definitely. Yeah, I, I really appreciate and I noticed that about your podcast that it really is kind of like... um a lot of the topics are the well-being of the planet in tandem with the well-being of humanity and how that kind of they they have to work together and I really appreciated that and I actually I love that you mentioned the um intentional community uh I loved some of your points in there particularly too about like some of the observations of like this country that we um we see maybe as a violent country and we're like oh the United States we're on top of the world but like 
we're not doing so much self-reflection. So I'm interested to hear, uh, what are some of your travels, like your biggest takeaways from your travels or your favorite trips or anything like that? Well, I, 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 I do tend to bang on about it, but I had an incredible experience uh, seven years ago. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely life-changing. Now, just to give background, I'm from London um, and I moved to New York in my 20s. And I did have the um, the kind of gumption to just get up and move. And, uh, you know, that's a degree of travel. That's a degree of, 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 of doing that. But we speak the same language in the UK and the USA. Actually, we don't. Almost every noun is different. But anyway, we pretend to speak <laughs> the same language. Um, and, uh, and politically, we're you know, meant to be closely aligned. And although I had traveled a bit around Europe before I came to the States, and because of my work in particular, I got to travel all around the States and uh, to some other countries, um, and there was even a trip to Australia at one point because some of my friends had moved down there. So, I, I, you know, by most standards, I'm pretty well traveled. However, um, married with kids and was getting to the point, I mean, I was literally getting up to the age of 50. And I like life dreams that had once not seemed that difficult. You know, if you can get to Australia... You, as an adult, you would figure you could get to maybe Thailand for a holiday or India for a trip. But with two kids, the cost of it was just becoming really prohibitive. And the summers seemed to fill up and there's little time. And I was getting more and more worried about like never getting to Africa, never getting to India, never getting to the rest of Asia. And um, I get really scared about it, to be quite honest. I was like, that's not the path I wanted for my life. And we took a very bold decision at that point that we would go on a year long journey and we would take our younger kid who was 11 and our older one was in college. There was like a nine, 10 year age gap. So we waited for the older one to be settled into university and took the younger one with us and went backpacking for 10 and a half months. I, I would love to have made it 365 days. My, um, my wife wanted to be back for Thanksgiving and that's fair enough. So it was 10 and a half months. And, um, I'll pause so that you, you know, we, we, you can ask something else, but, but we visited a lot of places. It was with a kid in tow. It was essentially backpacking, traveling cheap. And there are so many amazing stories and takeaways from that experience. And, and it, it, that, you know, that there's a lot of takeaways and it did shift my life and I'll say my ex-wife's life as well, but I would not swap that adventure for anything. That's incredible. I think something that social media is so good at nowadays is making you feel like you're behind on tr your travels or you need to be going to these top destinations or else you're missing out on life. So I like that you took life by the reins, whether that was, um, you know, probably social media was not, you know, the reason behind that you have felt yourself that you were scared um, that life was kind of going by. Um, so what are some of the, you know, highlights or maybe challenges that you faced with having a child? Was it, you know, as what you dreamed of or was it more challenging? How was I, that experience for you? I, I would say it was what I dreamed of. I look back actually this year and you were saying I could put out my, my social media. Um, this year I have been posting a picture a day and a, a sentence or two or three a day from my son's journal from that year. And um, the idea being, I just wanted to kind of relive it, uh, you know, kind of like 
like one day at a time. Now I fell a little bit behind just recently because I did actually go off to uh, Costa Rica and just wasn't able to keep it going. But anyway, that's Instagram. That's one step beyond podcast. That's the um, the account there uh, because it's been enormously enjoyable for a while. I was able to say to my son who's just gone off to college himself, hey, seven years ago today, we were doing this. And uh, I am sometimes just astonished by what we did in a single day. It's like we got up, we got on a plane, we flew to another country, then we went to a museum, then we went to this, then we went to that, then we went out in the evening. And I'm like, we did not, we did not stop. Uh, traveling with a child is uh, an 11, uh, an 11 year old is a good age. Um, they're big enough to be able to just about sort of keep up with you. We did a lot of hiking training beforehand so that he had some strength. They're not too big to not want to do it or to have hit puberty. And I think that was a concern. And they're just big enough that that museums and galleries can be of interest and not always boring. Mm -hmm. Although my my kid did put his foot down on about the 18th Buddhist temple with another 50 or 60 to follow. He's like, not another Buddhist <laughs> temple. And I understood. Uh, there are there are inherent challenges, obviously, with traveling with a younger person. You've got to figure out where you want to um where you want to stay, whether it's got the you know, you it's harder to stay in hostels, for example, just because they're not always so well equipped. Um, but I would actually say many, many, many ways it was easier because people they don't particularly, um, a lot of travelers come through every place. And to the extent that there are some people like be it hoteliers, restaurateurs, whatever, that they might just be, you know, they're not going to fleece the tourists, but they might be like, okay, it's just somebody else coming in. You bring a kid into the picture. They want to make sure the kid's okay. And so mm -hmm. whether you're on a bus and somebody in the, in, in might say, do you know where you're going? Do you need any help? Or whether you walk in the street or, uh, whether you are actually, you know, trying to get a location or have somebody help you find a location. I think ha actually having a kid with you is like this fantastic defense mechanism. And it mm. also invited tons of conversations I don't think we'd have had otherwise. So I, I, did, I didn't find that part especially challenging, uh, other than just the mundanities of it, just having to be a parent on the road at times, be like, no, you've got to do this sort of, what we've we've gotten away without going to school for a year. You've just got to do these things, and those are the hardest to do. Just the basic exercises to keep us up with schoolwork. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So on that trip, ten months. Did mm -hmm. it kind? Did you kind of go through the whole world? Like, did you touch several different continents, or was it more concentrated in any any one area? We did touch several continents. We did not go to South America because it's on our doorstep and we'd done a couple of things before. And uh, we really wanted to get to Africa and Asia. But we started in Malaga in the south of Spain because we had friends here that uh, an Anglo-Spanish couple who actually run an immersion program themselves, bringing kids from Andalusia over to uh, our area of, of of New York, and they let us have their apartment for January, and it was a great grounding to just start in Europe, and then we went around Andalusia, and we also went down to Morocco, so we kind of got to Africa, but then we went from there to a more 
substantial trip to Tanzania and then over to India where we spent two separate months. There was a brand new e-visa, which uh, I didn't know till I applied for it. it was only good for one month, but I hadn't wanted to get the six-month visa because I'd have had to go give away my passport for a while close to the trip and I wasn't willing to kind of risk that. So we went to India and then when our e-visa ran out, we went up to Nepal the day we got there pretty much. I applied for a second e-visa and got it. So then we were able to come back for a second month. And then uh, we had sort of planned getting as far as India, uh, the east, the west coast of India, and then said, you know, once we're there, we'd paid for our tickets up to there, which only took us to, I think, like the end of February. And then it was like, okay, from there, we're going to make, we're going to go much more sort of on the fly. And we're going to end up with our friends in Australia again. And that was always the plan. So we went to, um, from India, as I mentioned, uh, Nepal, we went to Sri Lanka, we went to Malaysia, we went to Thailand, we went to Laos. And Borneo is part of Malaysia. Well, actually, it's it's split. It's part of Malaysia and Indonesia. Uh, but I like to think of Borneo as a different country because it's a pretty big island. Officially, it's not, but I keep wanting to add that in. And uh, uh and to Australia and New Zealand at the end, and I really didn't want to come home from New Zealand. I've got to tell you, I would, I would, I would be there still if I could be. You're the second person in the past, I think, two weeks to say that. Yeah. <laughs> the South, the South Island, I did not want to come back from at all. It was my idea of heaven. I'm, I like the outdoors, and it's just full of the most majestic mountains and lakes, and. It's one of those places, you know that expression, and when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Well, in New Zealand, you can do that because everywhere you go, it's going to be beautiful. Every, hmm. Everywhere, particularly on that South Island, everywhere you go is going to be beautiful. And I found the food good, the culture good, the people lovely, uh, very expensive. So, I mean, you can't just stay there. You could probably, places like India and to some extent Malaysia, uh, all those, you know, Nepal, Sri Lanka, some of those very, very inexpensive. And once you're there, you can afford to travel around and stay there. It's really, really cheap. But uh, Australia, New Zealand, unfortunately, not so. Yeah. I mean, to Allie, to your point, too, um, social media does a good job of um, making travel seem like it needs to look a certain way. Like you have to stay in the luxurious hotels with the best views and go to this destination and drink these cocktails or whatever it is. It makes it look like it has to be an expensive thing, but it doesn't have to be like what you're saying. There are some countries that are just naturally more expensive. Okay. How do we do it in a way that can maybe fit for us? Or do I save up? Or what are those countries that maybe aren't as expensive, but like taking that opportunity to understand travel doesn't have to be that luxury that I think we've kind of come to understand it to be. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time, all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And the best part, they have podcasts. 
Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. You can even find us there. I started using it as my default podcast app. They even have a digital radio. Download and use Newsly for free now at www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code WIVES. That's W-I-V-E-S. And you can get a one-month free premium subscription. You can find all this information in our description from this episode. And now back to our episode. Having just visited Costa Rica, and that was actually my first new country in five years. So I'm not like a inveterate, you know, constant traveler. There was this concentration in one year. And since then, I've been to Colombia for the first and the second time. And now I've been to Costa Rica. But um, I went with my, uh, my, my current partner down to Costa Rica. And we did a lot of traveling by bus there. We kind of did what we had to do in 2016. You try and travel cheap and you often have like a major cost of a taxi slash Uber at either end. But in between, you're doing the bulk of the travel really cheap. Some of my best experiences of traveling anywhere are being with locals on a bus where you might get into a conversation and you might not, and you might just be traveling through the countryside, the only non-native person on the bus or the only non-native couple and you get off at some, there'll be some kind of rest area for one of these long journeys that's a set kind of like a little service station. And you're like, I'm doing what local people do. It's, there is no particular, I mean, I'm getting from A to B, but this travel is the experience. And I think that often, often gets lost that the, the, the journey from A to B, from your morning where you checked out somewhere, to where you're meant to get that evening. That is the journey. That's the part to really, really savor. And particularly, not maybe not so much in Costa Rica, but uh, in 2016, I had some of the most amazing conversations took place when I found myself sat next to somebody. One of them, I, I turned into a short story that I narrated on One Step Beyond. It was in Morocco, and it was a teenager who was quite westernized who was sitting next to me and got talking to me because I was reading a book about Africa and he disagreed with it. So he was like reading over my shoulder because it was the writer I hadn't actually distinguished from sub-Saharan Africa, place from somewhere like Morocco. And mm. we got talking more and more. It turned out he was a big football fan, big soccer fan. And then, of course, came the question, this is 2016 and things were still pretty hot on this front. You know, what do you think of Muslims? And so I've got to have that conversation with a teenager on a bus where most people are sleeping, but I figure a lot of them can speak English and they're going to hear what I've got to say. And my only regret about that was I didn't get his email and stay in contact with him because I think he was headed for sort of an interesting life. But hey. Yeah, I love wow. that you've taken the time to be intentional about speaking with the locals, whether you're just reading a book and someone happens to come up to you or you're on the bus and um, talking with the locals. And I know you've taken some time to learn some Spanish because um, your partner um, is a Spanish teacher. Um, but I love that you've taken the time out of those trips, at least to get to know the locals. I think that can truly change a trip and an, an experience. So do you find yourself seeking out locals um, in your travels or is just kind of like happens to be that way? Is that a priority for you? I think it is a priority for me. I found um, and actually, I mean, I also found this a little bit in Costa Rica. 
for whatever reason, I got born as with a sort of Duracell Energizer combination batteries. And I, I tend to kind of, on a trip, wake up early and want to go. And not everybody else does. So I learned, for example, in India, I was like, I don't want our hotel food. And it, it's usually like a bad version of a Western diet. And mm. I would just go on the street and find food on the street. And I mean, just I've got this like one t gorgeous little memory. It's so simple, but there's a uh, the uh, there's a city in uh, in India that I've gone and blanked on its on its double name. It's English and, and Indian name, and I keep doing it. So this is going to be a bad anecdote. But I will tell you that we were staying in the Park Lane Hotel because it was nothing like Park Lane on, on uh, Monopoly, and it's a little hotel strip. And this was a place uh, 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 with a, um, a little hotel row, like I say, and they had the westernized breakfast. And after one morning, I'm like, I don't like this. So the second morning, or maybe even the first one, I realized there's a park right opposite that is only a quarter of a mile, like running around it. But if I do it 16, you know, 12 times, I got my three miles in. So I would go out to at least get a run. And they have like the classic Indian kind of coffee cart that's there in the mornings and uh, the indians love milky coffee although they're, they're in south india they're very vegetarian but they they drink highly milky coffee and i went and asked for uh, a black coffee now most people there will speak some english so that wasn't the problem so the guy had to make it specially for me no complaints it probably cost me like you know five cents and the next morning i came out and he smiled at me and i saw him go for the pot and start to make the coffee for me. And, you know, that's one difference. And the other one is I went into a hotel two, three doors down that said it had an all-you-could-eat buffet, but it looked Indian, and it was Indian. So I'm like, it's all Indian business people and, and tourists as well, I guess. And I go in there, and they've got all the food that I love because I'm vegetarian, well, actually vegan. So they've got all this wonderful Indian food. And the, uh, the waiter, to the extent there was a waiter because it was a buffet, he was 19. And he was a, another cricket and football fan who was so happy to meet me and talk about, you know, sport and culture. And, you know, you get that from crossing a threshold, from just being willing to engage, from just going, what, what do they have at the buffet inside this place? And, and so you end up with these conversations. And I'd recommend that for anybody. Totally. Like that, that being curious, mm. like genuinely curious and interested and invested. And I mean, that's kind of a good um just way to live life too right like just be curious but particularly when you're in somebody else's country yeah. um like that's so important to want to be curious about them and their food and Allie's tried cow tongue and she was Allie's a very very picky eater but she was like that was so important to her is like this is part of the culture in Bolivia I'm gonna try it and I might not like it but like why would you I, I don't ever understand when somebody goes to another country and it's like, I'm just going to eat cheeseburgers all the time. Right. Exactly. It, you really have to invest. And the, I, I love that story, too, about the coffee cart. That is just so unique and amazing. That's that's just and this kind of brings me to I have two questions that I would love to get to in the last few minutes here. And Ali, you might have some also, but um, I would love to hear what are some of the best foods you've tried? in your travels around the world in Calcutta 
which has a reputation. When you say Calcutta, people do think of the black hole of Calcutta. They think of Mother Teresa. And there is a lot of people sleeping on the streets there, but there are in every city in India. Um, it's actually the original capital of India. It's an incredibly vibrant, artistic city um, with the biggest cricket ground in the world. Um, they pride themselves on being the artistic, intellectual community. And yet vast parts of the city are this sort of old, original design. So it's a fascinating place. And um, there is a ton of street food. So by street food, I don't just mean a food market. They set up along the street. And I imagine they're paying off like, you know, I can probably like mafioso. They'll be like, here's your spot. And some of them are sleeping with their cooking equipment on the streets. And some of them have their kids working and not in school. And I'm not saying any of that part is okay. But what I noticed very quickly was that the local businessmen were buying their food from these people on the street. And I'm like, look, if the businessmen are choosing to do this rather than going to a restaurant, it's like going to a hot dog stand in the States. Mm -hmm. And they're actually unbelievably clean because they're using these stainless steel pans and pots and that you watch them wash them out actually usually from the fire hydrant after every meal you watch them being cleaned they make a, like a vegetable curry in front of you and it's 25 cents and it's made in like five minutes and it's 25 cents and you're set for the day and the other one i would say would be dal bart in nepal when you're out uh doing the trekking which we did and you get to one of these tea houses and you've kind of got nothing to do from 5 p.m. onwards. Uh, the dal bar is like sort of five different ingredients around a kind of a, a curry idea. Again, such simple food, so delicious, so nourishing. Um, oh, that would be it. It sounds amazing. <laughs> I just tried, started trying Indian food for the first time last year. Like it wasn't oh. something that I ever had really growing up, and I'm obsessed. So this all sounds so good. <laughs> Well, you know, Indian food is Britain's equivalent of Mexican food. It's everywhere. Um, it's everywhere oh. because of immigration. So same as in the States. So mm -hmm. uh, the Brits grow up having Indian food. Then you get to India and realize it's actually not as spicy as it is in England. It's, it's more delicate, oh. more subtle. Yeah. yeah. I think my wife and kid or my ex-wife and kid might have preferred the, uh, the Thai food. Um, so some of that's personal. And just throw in there, pizza is universal. Pizza is the universal food of the world. Mm. Yeah. You almost can't find it in India, but you, you, we actually did eventually. Uh, and it was a curry pizza, which was brilliant. Thank goodness for that. that I, a curry pizza? Man, yeah. I, I need to try this. I know, I know right? <laughs> well, I, uh, Ali, do you have any other questions on your end? I have one more, but I definitely want to... Let's I mean, I could ask anything. a million more questions, but we'd be here all night. So go ahead and you can ask your <laughs> question. <laughs> I was like, well, I know, uh, Tony, that you love the outdoors and sounds like running, hiking, like anything being outdoors. So I'm wondering, what are some of the best hikes that you've done in your travels? Oh, for me, anything that involves going up a mountain, um, kind of so you have a destination. And, and thank you for asking that, because that's actually a question I would really happy to be asked i think the group experience that was most cosmic uh there's a reason people go to nepal and and trek uh there is something that becomes so pacifying about it uh, about just just walking slowly 
uphill from sort of verdant lower land towards snow, towards the mountains, staying at these little tea houses, bonding with other travelers, saying namaste to everybody that you meet. Uh, our destination was Annapurna Base Camp, which is, um, uh, that's the route, that's the point at which the mountaineers take over. So you you get to this base camp and you're surrounded by seven peaks that are among the tallest in the world. I mean, it's, the, Everest is not there, but there's probably the, all the seven out of the top 20 are surrounding you. So that's your destination. And then you come back down. That was a beautiful group experience. Um, separately on my own, I've done Mount Kinabalu in Borneo, which is a very abrupt up and down and uh, did sort of affect me in, in terms of my body seized up a lot the next day. And mm. I've done Kilimanjaro, which I did a documentary about that's on the uh, One Step Beyond podcast, uh, which I did for a radio station. And I condensed it last year, or even maybe earlier this year, into a, one long documentary, got rid of all the intros and outros. And that was more like a radio documentary where I took my recording devices with me. That one's, you know, that one doesn't require equipment, but Kilimanjaro is very, very hard on the body. Doing Nepal, just to give everybody a reference point, among the very many people I met was a German lady well into her 60s, if not older, who said she did Nepal every year. And she was just like likening it to the tortoise and the hare. She said, you know, this is a this is a trek that rewards you for being slow. Because as you go up in altitude, you know, the young people who want to go fast suddenly hit a wall. And she's just like steady does it, steady does it. And she can come back every year and do that. And so wow. I think that those kind of slow, meandering, uh, take your time treks are ideal for people who don't want to go like rushing up mountains like you have to do at Kinabalu or, or, or you know, Kilimanjaro is incredibly high and the altitude will get most people at some point. You could do Nepal nice and slow and the altitude won't really hit you because because you're doing it so steadily. So I don't think you have to be super fit to do that. And again, it sounds so exotic, and I agree it is, but if you can get yourself to one of these countries, then everything is like, we did a second trip from the very, very, very north of India, Sikkim, into the Himalaya. Not as pretty, but uh, an interesting trip. And I think we did like four nights five maybe four nights five days it may have even been five nights we had a guide a cook a cook's assistant and two uh porters it was it wasn't really for us to be honest i, I think it was for all the tents and everything that were being brought and mm. for the three of us i think it was like 200 dollars for for all of that so if you can get yourself to these places things are very cheap what i'm hearing is that people are now adding sort of foreign travelers like a must do almost like no longer optional or luxury. It's kind of like, we all have to do this. And a lot of places are buckling under the pressure, places like Venice. Mm. But uh, try try not to just like add to that, like tick this box, tick this box, find your own boxes to tick. And, you know, and then you don't have to have a box to tick, just let your intuition be your guide and, and tick that box that you didn't have a name next to. Yeah, I think that's like the perfect way to wrap up this episode too, like, Find your own path in life and in your travel experiences, and you you don't know where you're going to end up, but that's just the beauty of our journey, whether that be our life journey or our travel journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
Oh, thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you both. I, I, I like the attitude you bring to your show, so I was really happy to be a part of it. And yeah, my podcast is One Step Beyond. And um, if yeah, you could just put a link in the show notes, but uh, people should be able to find it uh, easy enough. And um, yeah, I appreciate Definitely. the opportunity to share some stories. Yeah, thanks awesome. for coming thanks on so our much. podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. Come escape with us again every other Tuesday for Travel Tuesdays and every other Wednesday for Wildcard Wednesdays. Don't forget to give us a subscribe and a follow on all of our social media and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, wander on.